Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Profit Max podcast. And uh, well, we are kicking off the year with some exciting interviews. So we just had one recently, and here today we are having another one on technology and specifically on e-commerce. So you know, we know we know we had very challenging times the last two years because of COVID, because of the pandemic. But then there are businesses that are thriving, and obviously we can see that e-commerce is obviously on the up uptick. And uh, today we have with us a guest who's the founder of one of the very successful e-commerce platforms called Com- Com- Commerce Asia, none other than Mr. Ganesh Banga, Ganesh Kuna Banga to be to be exact. And he is uh, not only the founder and chairman of Commerce Asia, but he's also the past president of PICOM, which uh, is the Tech Association of Malaysia. So welcome, welcome to the podcast, uh, Ganesh. Thank you, thank you for inviting me uh, for the podcast, Peter. Excellent. And uh, maybe to start off, uh, Ganesh, you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey because I understand you started very young as an entrepreneur. Yeah, so I started my entrepreneurship journey actually when I was... Actually, to, to be fair, I, I, I started first trading uh, computers when I was 15 years old, right? Wow. So, uh, so I was actually, uh, while in school at the time, I was actually born in Johor. So while in school, I, I remember it was just after my PMR, Sound cards became very popular in, in computers. At that time, computers were mute, right? They didn't have any... Besides yeah. a small speaker in there, they call it internal sound, right? Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, Sing Wong Hui in Singapore started Sound Blaster, right? Yes, yes. That, that gave audio, music, recording capabilities to PCs or personal computers, right? And yeah. I was part of the school computer club. And so my teachers wanted to install sound cards in their computers. Okay. And Sing- we had a competitor in Singapore called Sound something. I think it was Sound Commander or something. Sound Blaster was selling at 200 ringgit. This competitor was selling at 30 sing dollars, right? Wow. And so uh, so I used to collect, I used to buy those cards from Singapore, collect a deposit from my teacher, let's say 60 ringgit or 80 ringgit, enough to pay for the card plus watch a movie in Singapore. I'm going on Friday, buy the sound card, come back and sell the sound cards to my teachers. Wow. For 150 ringgit, still cheaper than the Sound Blaster. Yes. But yet, uh, I made a profit for myself, right? Mm. Financed by my teachers uh, and also having a movie at the same time, right? Okay. That was kind of my first um, entrepreneurship business per se. Small trading type of business with my teachers, right? Mm. uh, After my Form 5, I became a cyber cafe operator. Oh, okay for my results, I became a cyber cafe operator. That's when I say there's no software to monitor cyber cafes or to manage cyber cafes. So I went to UTM uh, shortly after that, once I got my results. And uh, when I was in UTM, I managed to um, to find some some of the other students there to develop a cyber cafe management system for me to get wow. the owner of the cyber cafe. We used it in that cyber cafe and we sold the software to 30 other cyber cafes, right? And so in the year 2000, I actually saw that um, that uh, that um, uh, people were giving things for free. Hotmail gave email for free and started making money from advertising. So I said, I should do something similar. And so what I did was I actually, um, I actually uh, create, I actually came up with the idea to give the software for free and control the first screen on the pages of all these uh, cyber cafes. Mm. Then 
looking around for funding to fund that uh, cyber cafe software. Uh, and we managed to convince me and my partner who owned that cyber cafe and another partner who joined us managed to convince uh, Tan Sri Vincent Tan to invest 2 million ringgit for 60% in that company. Which wow. MOL. Oh. So we I see, okay. The domain MOL from uh, Mark Cheng and then use a listed company called MOL.com Berhad, which he renamed to invest in about 30 internet companies. Okay. And my he invested 200 million ringgit in the internet in the year 2000. He invested 2 million ringgit in me, but he made all that money back from that one 2 million ringgit investment, right? Wow. More, more than, than that investment of so, so, just to clarify, you, you bought it, it was Mark Chang who started MOL. Mark and you bought it. The original MOL, which was called MOL Online. But then Vincent Tan wanted the name. So what Vincent Tan bought, so MOL Online later became Job Street, right? Job Street was yes. a portal in MOL, was a part, was a section within MOL. I see. Right? So he decided to focus on that. So he sold the domain MOL.com to uh, Tan Sri Vincent Tan. I see. Renamed uh, his listed company, Dijaya Enterprise, to become MOL.com Berhad. And then invested in 30 different internet companies, right? <laughs> and mine was one of them. He paid 12 million ringgit for the domain. Uh, and he invested 2 million ringgit in my company. Of course, we, of course, uh, managed to, to make that back for him, right? Wow. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so, uh, so, so that, that was kind of um, the story of how I, I started. And then MOL became a payment platform because we turned these cyber cafes into payment collection points. And of mm. together with him, we turned his 7-Eleven outlets into payment collection points. It became a big channel. People started going and paying for games in 7-Eleven. Yeah, yeah. So your kids or your nephew or niece yeah, yeah, yeah. very aware of that. And then the company grew over the next 10 plus years uh, to actually process when we listed the company. We listed the company. I listed the company first when I was 23 years old. Wow. So Younger CEO of a public listed company in Malaysia. Wow. And then uh, I list, we listed it again on the NASDAQ uh, several years later, la, right? Okay. Uh, much, much later. Um, and, you know, so it was quite an interesting journey. Of course, uh, I'm, now, I'm now basically start, decided to venture on my own and started Commerce.Asia. Mm. Uh, was some capital that I managed to uh, build over the years. Mm. Uh, yeah, and so my inspiration for Commerce.Asia came from Shopify. You're familiar with Shopify? Yes, heard of it. It's not. It's different from Shopee, right? Shopify is the US one. It's a platform that integrates to marketplaces like Amazon and helps you create your web store, lah, right? Mm. So Amazon is the supermarket. Shopify helps you build shop houses for you to set up your own store to sell, lah, right? Mm. It helps you sing to the or link to the marketplaces as well, lah, right? Okay. I saw a potential in e-commerce enablers from Shopify. Hmm. Shopify was trading with the Toronto Stock Exchange and Shopify was trading at something like $25 when I bought it at $25. About one year later, it became worth $50. I sold at $50. And guess what's Shopify price now? <laughs> Couple hundred. Thousand, thousand plus dollars. It went up as wow. high. Right? So I said, hey, why don't I build a Shopify of Malaysia, if not Southeast Asia. And so I, I, I started investing into e-commerce enablers to be an ecosystem similar to Shopify. And mm. then 
Southeast Asia has become, lah, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So tell me, you know, uh, Ganesh, so you had a very early success at age 23. You were listed, you had a listed company and you were the CEO. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, sometime later, you started Commerce Asia, right? Yep. Okay. So yeah, tell so me, tell me, tell me the... After, me. yeah, sorry. I started Commerce.Asia after listing uh, MOL the second time, right? And uh, and uh, and after I exited the business, about the time I exited the business, I started Commerce Dot Asia. Okay, so how old were you then, roughly? So I started Commerce Dot Asia. Wow, I quite old lah. I started it when I was thirty seven, thirty eight, maybe. Quite old. <laughs> yeah, compared to twenty three. Yeah. Okay. So so tell me, you know, when you when you started, what were some of the challenges when when you started Commerce Asia? Yeah, what was the breakthrough moment for you, you know? Yeah, look, the challenges I had when I started Commerce.Asia is very different from the challenges I had when I started MOL, right? When MOL started, competition was never an issue. It was always demand. Mm. Because not many people were buying things online. People didn't understand what I was saying. Can you imagine I started a payment platform in the year 2003, right? I started... Yeah. Company before the word fintech was even uh, created, right? Yes, yes. Wallet started in 2012-2013. I started it 10 years earlier, right? Yes. And uh, and so I always say I'm the grandfather of fintech in uh, in, in Malaysia, right? Um, yeah, so um so uh yeah, so I think the challenges at that time was getting not many people were buying online, not many people had mobile internet access in the first place. Even if there was internet access, it was on the PCs, it was not on the mobile phone. Mm. Right? So, yes. so, um, so of course, getting demand was an issue and it took time to build that demand. So, you keep your cost, cost low and build demand over time, right? Okay. It was difficult, of course, you know. I mean, the only way you could raise money is uh, to go to corporates. Of course, uh, we had an angel corporate like, like Tan Sri Vincent Tan, right? We asked him for four million for thirty percent. He said two million for sixty percent. We said okay, right? <laughs> now, now uh, entrepreneurs and startups have so many options, right? Yes, yes. Right? They have different. They have grants. They have equity crowdfunding, which I find quite useful, right? Yes. So um yeah so I guess um I guess uh, um yeah so of course funding is easier. <laughs> Demand is there, but at the same time, because people are seeing this with a big industry, competition is tough, lah, right? Mm. right? There's so many different types of competition out there. So today, to succeed in any digital business, you need to find what's called a product market fit. Yes. What is product market fit? Basically, you must find your own niche, right? Yes. So demand now is so big, you need to find your customer, your ideal customer profile, they call it. Yes. Customize your product to target to that ICP, our ideal customer, right? Yeah. To find product market fit, and then you need to basically um, target the, the, the right customer. If that makes sense? Yes, yes. So when you started Commerce uh, which was just a few years ago, right? Yep. So you were saying you got to find the right product market fit. So how yeah. do you how do you craft or how do you design or develop conversation to, to fit what was the market looking for? Sure. So so we are an ecosystem. So I decided not to just build one product for one type of customer. 
and uh, we I decided to build an ecosystem, right? Mm. I also decided not to focus, not to build a consumer-facing businesses because what I was good at is building merchant-facing businesses, right? Okay. Well, faces merchants, whether it's telco, game companies, e-commerce mm. companies. So I decided to build a platform where um, I decided to build a ecosystem. I started. I decided to invest into e-commerce enablers, right? Okay. So what are the e-commerce enablers? For example, Site Giant is a platform, a Penang-based platform that integrates to various marketplaces and helps you create a web store, right? Mm. Today, as a GMV of a couple of billion ringgit, when I invested in GMV of a hundred million ringgit, now it's a couple of billion ringgit in GMV, right? Okay. It's gross gross merchandise value, lah. Value transacted through the platform, lah, right? Okay. And so what 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 we did was I I, I looked at Shopify and I saw hey okay we need a platform which was Site Giant so I invested first minority and then increased my stake to majority then I say okay what else do merchants need right? So so so, so the reference to the reference to uh, Shopify, yes. Site Giant is the is the equivalent of Shopify. Component is the platform. Okay. If you're a merchant on Shopify, you can use the Site Giant platform. You can use the Shopify platform, and then you can subscribe for your warehousing services. You can subscribe for your payment services, Shopify payments, mm. for various other services they okay. have. Okay. So I acquired the platform, which was Site Giant, and then I also started investing and acquiring into supporting enablers. Right. Okay. Right. So then we we built a whole network of enablers. And the whole idea is we could get uh, the merchants within our enablers, and we start earning a percentage of transactions. I see. Right. So, so for example, if we have today six thousand merchants that transacts six, let's call it six billion ringgit this year, which is our forecasted volume this year, right? Mm. And five percent of volume actually goes towards warehousing and fulfillment, right? So I actually have a captive market within my ecosystem of three hundred million ringgit of fulfillment revenue, right? Hmm. Ten percent of that—that's thirty million ringgit in revenue just on fulfillment, right? Yes. Right. So, so the that's a great model. We build a captive market mm. and basically then get slices of it through warehousing fulfillment, mm. Mm-hmm. right? Okay. And then so we—that—that's how the ecosystem works, lah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of puts us at a bit of a a a a bit of a defense against competition because okay. you're starting a fulfillment business or starting a payment business without an ecosystem, it'll be tough because today is so competitive, right? Yes, yes. And payment has become a commodity for certain. Yes, yes. There's so many now, huh? But so, if we have our own ecosystem that transacts six billion ringgit. All I need to get is the percentage of that leverage on my data, and I already have a captive customer base. Yes, yes, excellent. You have one thousand people walking into a mall. How difficult is it to sell a mineral water bottle? Yeah, yeah. So, so am I right to say that Commerce is modeled after Shopify? Yes, it was. Okay, excellent. All right. So, so what were what are some of the what are the some of the lessons that you learned? In this uh, early years of starting off, conversation or some of the breakthroughs. Well, you know, there, there, there's so many lessons. I think one of the people management is, of course, an issue. Is always a challenge, right? Um, I think the young today, especially us in Malaysia, the young today, they 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 operate or they want to work very differently. 
Uh, when I first started my business in the year 2000, you could tell the, your staff what to do, right? Uh, now you can't. If you tell them what to do and you, you get angry and scold them, they may not be so... Uh, they may leave you, lah, right? Yes. Because <clears throat> leaving you and become a grab driver, right? Those days <laughs> need to have side income, right? So today you can't tell your staff what to do. You have to convince your staff what to do, right? Mm. Right? So it's much more collaborative rather than authoritarian. Yes, yes. In the corporate environment, because um, we, we, in my previous uh, role as well, right, in my previous work, it was very authoritarian in nature, right? The culture of a corporate environment, as you can imagine, you know, with the yes. kind of culture I was built around, very authoritarian. Hierarchy and all that, right? Yeah, you have, hierarchy, yeah. You have to change from being authoritative <laughs> to collaborative. Right? Mm. You have to change from telling your staff what to do to convincing your staff what to do. Yes. Right? And of convincing course... Convincing and inspiring, lah. Yes, yes. Of course, inspiring is one, but it's more than inspiring, right? It's how you message it to them. Right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. And so, of course, we live and we learn uh, from the new... Of course, I think I managed to uh, transition quite well. Uh, and of course, now is uh, we've reached a certain because six billion ringgit in GMV. We have seventy one thousand active merchants, right? Now it's how to take it to the next level, uh, which is what I'm focusing on as well. Okay, so so you've got you've got six billion in terms of gross uh, merchandise value. Yeah. Twenty one thousand active accounts customers. Yeah. What's what's your vision for the company in the future going forward? So look, we want to convert at least three to five percent of that volume to become our revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Either fulfillment and whatnot, right? One percent of six billion is sixty million ringgit, right? So if two to three percent, we want to have revenue of hundred to two hundred million ringgit uh, within the next, I would say, three, four, five years, maybe. Mm. Yeah, by actually converting that G GMV, right? Okay. The other thing is we also want to help local merchants and brands grow regionally and also grow their online presence, right? Mm. Start this business just to make money, right? In fact, I always believe that making money is uh, is is, uh, is the fruits of your action, right? Yes, it's a consequence of your actions, huh? Consequence of your action, right? If you happen, yes. if you want to make money, don't become an entrepreneur. If you want to make money, become a banker, right? <laughs> If you want to have a positive effect on the world, then you become an entrepreneur, right? Yes, yes. Add value, yeah. Yeah, you want to add value. So we must always add value. And the reason why I started Commerce.Asia was because I found that merchants and local brands don't really know how to sell effectively, right? Mm. Merchants and local brands, they do very well selling in retail, but they don't do well online, right? Ah, yes. Competition from startups, that you know start their own business to sell online for example and they face competition and this is a big issue i feel a big challenge facing our country today that there's also a big issue when it comes to uh, foreign merchants right mm. countries which are huge manufacturing bases that have low cost right yes and i'm not going to mention the country name but we all know the country name <laughs> so we see right <laughs> cost of producing is 5 ringgit, their cost of producing is 2 ringgit, right? Yes, yes. They're flooding our markets because they have influence over the marketplaces, right? Yes. Because of that, if our retailers and our local brands don't step up the plate, mm. we will be challenged, right? Because we yes. do 
all these foreign manufacturers, right? Yes, yes. Although we actually have an intrinsic, because we have local brands, right? Malaysia mm. has brands. We have strong mind share among the among among consumers, but because these local brands and local merchants don't know how to effectively sell online, they are losing out, right? Yes. Created, we venture built a a, a business uh, called Commerce.Asia Enterprise, which focuses on helping local brands to build their business online, to grow their business online. Okay. Right? Where the yeah. So when you say when you say commercial what uh, services is it enterprise. enterprise yes is this a kind of a consulting uh, business or so what do you have value consulting is part of it but it's actually more than that right mm. so what we do is we combine all the technology system processes that we've invested in together with services and provide that as a one stop solution to brands right and we focus on the between the S and M, right? So we don't focus on micro, we focus yes. more on medium-sized brands, right? Yes, yes. So for example, we have a Malaysian bedding brand that was doing maybe a hundred thousand ringgit online in sales. We took them on and grew, they grew their sales within two years from a hundred thousand to three million online, right? Wow. Rather than charging a consulting fee, we became their partner. We took a percentage of sales, right? Mm. So we grow their sales and then we take a percentage of sales from the brands, right? Mm. So we were able to grow this this strong local brand, and now we've even taken them regional, right? We brought them into Thailand, we brought them into Vietnam. Okay. Right. Yeah. So so that would be something that some of my audience will be interested in, no, uh, Ganesh? Sure. In terms of what 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 is the edu? I mean, what is the what is the competitive edge? Right, I mean, we 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 can we can all be e-commerce. We set up our own website, put in a shopping cart, and we think that's e-commerce, no? Sure, yeah. One of the thing is, there's more than that, right? There's more to that. So, so what are what are some of the two or three things that that e-commerce people must be aware of and and, and should take cognizance of? So I talked about finding product market fit, which we kind of help our merchants find that product market fit online, mm-hmm. right? I talked about, uh, I, I think another aspect is marketing is important. A lot of people think you put your product online, people will come and buy, right? Yeah. But there are millions of shops on Shopee. There are millions of shops on, on Lazada, right? Yes. You guys are selling. You need to invest in marketing, right? Yes. And when it comes to marketing, two types of marketing, right? The first type is what, what in traditional marketing is called above the line, right? Which is to create mind share, right? The second part is performance marketing, which is to convert interest into sales, right? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. So when it comes to when it comes to the top part, which is really um, which is really um, brand building. Brand building. It has, it, brand building in the last two years has become more difficult mm. because just putting banner ads on websites doesn't help you with brand building, right? Yes. Yes. Why I also acquired the influencer marketing company, Australian listed influencer marketing company called Nafneng, right? Listed ah. in Australia called Netcentric, and that owns Nafneng, the largest influencer marketing company in in uh, in Malaysia, uh, which work helps with brands like KFC, uh, Unilever, PNG work with us to reach to influencers, right? Mm. Network of fifteen thousand influencers across Malaysia, Singapore, Taiwan. We're now growing to more regions, right? And so we have brands continue to create and grow their mindset through influencers, right? Mm. So above the line is actually influencers, right? Mm. 
right? And then, and then that same group also has a performance marketing unit where we can then convert that mindshare. And you see most physical brands have mindshare traditionally from their old retail outlets, right? Yes. And then so we're able to leverage on that to convert that into sales. And for every dollar spent on marketing, for example, for the, for the case study I shared with you earlier, we actually managed to generate seven ringgit of sales. Wow. Right? So one ringgit of marketing spent, seven ringgit of sales. So when you can convert marketing to become sales and you can draw a line between those two numbers, right? What you then get is it then become marketing becomes an investment. Yes. Right? Actually, accounting should be, should make it into a cost of goods sold, right? Yes, yes. An expense, right? Yes. Marketing is then turned from an investment into an expense, right? Your brand becomes the asset, right? Mm. It becomes the asset, which you can grow through influencer marketing. Of course, nothing does that. And then performance marketing helps do the conversion, right? Okay. Right? And so the second is marketing. And then the third is it's all about efficiency. So that's why we have end-to-end scaling. So marketing as you generate demand. During the lockdown, your issue is not demand. During your doc- lockdown, your issue is fulfilling that demand, right? Yes. Fulfilling that demand is more than just delivering on time, right? For example, for some brands, some of our brands, their whole sales before we took them on, one year sales was a million dollars, a million ringgit, let's say, right? On one day, that same brand did a million ringgit on singles day, right? Wow. You need the systems, you need the e-warehouse management systems to automate. Production planning, stock building and all that, right? Yes. And, it, and not, not just that, you need to make sure your customer service is, is, is responded on time on, on Shopee or Lazada, right? Because if you don't respond on time, you don't deliver on time, you go down the ranking, right? Yes, yes. Competitors or even the traders actually will do better than you, right? Mm. So all of that, we make sure we have a team of people that does that for the merchant. So they don't have to hire their own team of people, which is, which is not easy, right? Yes. You know, the cut I mentioned earlier, a lot of these uh, old economic businesses shall still have that authoritarian mindset, if that makes sense, right? Yes. So for, to, for, for them to generate, create that culture. Mm. Young, right? But we do that, right? Okay. So, so what you've described, uh, Ganesh, actually, like you say, an entire ecosystem to support e-commerce, huh? Yep, that's right. From, from, the, from the product fit all the way to the marketing, you're talking about above the line as well as performance marketing. Yeah, so it's talking about return on advertising spend of six, seven times. Yeah. So it's talking about fulfillment, the yeah. whole the whole range of, of things. Huh? Yeah, it starts from uh, just to give you a structured way to think of what you just mentioned. You mentioned six, seven things, right? So how do how do your 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 how how would a merchant or brand or whoever's listening today kind of translate that? It's all the way from logistics. Right, which is warehousing fulfillment, of course, to uh, technology to integrate to the marketplaces, right? Mm. Right down to customer service, right? Yeah. Down to to uh, to our payments, right? And right down to and and finally in the end is marketing, right? So that's the entire value chain, right? Mm. Value chain. You use the word value chain earlier. Now has changed, like. Yes, yes. So, in other words, you do all the way up to final last mile delivery, is it? 
So last mile delivery, we work with partners, obviously. Like we don't have our own delivery coming. We work, we work with partners. Okay. But we work The Lala Moves and the GD Express and all that. Huh? We actually have a shipping platform within the group as well that's integrated to all these delivery companies. Right? Okay, okay. All right, great. So um, what, 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 uh, what advice would you give to e-commerce players no, who, who maybe are starting out or maybe have been having one or two years experience on one? Number two, the more established brands, for example, I don't know, maybe the Padinis or maybe the body shops or maybe the whatever, yeah. uh, who are now trying to grow their e-commerce platform as much as they can while, while they keep their physical stores. And yeah. now we're talking about online and offline, not offline to online, no? Yeah. So, so what, what, what tips and advice can you give to these people? So I think if you look at brand owners, right, mm. Mm. they should focus on two things. Building and owning their brand. They need to manage their brand, which is a full-time job on their own, on its own, right? Yes. yes. And the second thing is building and, and maintaining their product range, right? Mm. When it comes to challenges, traditionally, the big brands will work with people like DKSH, for example, right? Who's the like distribution arms, right? Yes. Today, they can manage it on their own. Some brands can. But really, if you reach size, you should actually focus focus on the two things, which is the brand and product, right? Differentiation mm. lies in the brand and product. If you do too many things and you worry about too many things, it'll be a big headache for you, right? Yes, yes. You get diluted and you focus on your product and constantly innovate your product. So basically, they need to manage and grow their brand and innovate their products, right? Mm. Innovating products is creating new products, because looking at new technologies that can change products, right? Okay. And let the distribution part, let the execution part, or let the distribution part, I would say, whether online, offline, O2O is another thing that's coming in, right? Mm. With a partner on that, right? Mm. I mean, like, that makes sense? Yes. Right? Because the whole new world out there and really today is all about focusing and working with people that have the expertise to succeed. Okay. All right. So, um, you talked a lot about technology and innovation and all that, no? So, how do you stay ahead of the game? Because I am just wondering whether you have competitors, you know, because you're, you're, you've got a whole system risk. Some of the other players only focus maybe on payments or focus on delivery or focus on one part of the business. Yeah. Uh, do you have competitors and how do you stay ahead? So look, if you don't have competitors, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> right? So of course the niche is too small, huh? What? The niche is too small in that case. If you yeah. don't have competitors, right? Yeah, if you don't have competitors today in today's world, the niche is too small and you're not chasing a big enough market, la, right? Yeah, yeah. You're wasting your time, la, right? Yes. Of course, they're competitors in the game, but the biggest difference we have is is that we have an entire ecosystem, right? And so we don't depend on third parties for warehousing. We don't depend on third parties for technology. We mm. do development. We have our own source code. We have our own technology team. The, my CTO from who was with me for many years, I think more than 10 years in MOL, is my CTO here. So when it comes to customization and whatnot, we do it internally, like that makes sense, right? So that, that that's one. And then the second thing is because we have an ecosystem, we can keep costs low, right? So if you work with a partner that outsources most of their staff, there'll be there'll be basically a lot of layers of cost, if that makes sense, right? And mm. so be more cost effective. And because we're cost effective, the kind of 
proposition we give to our partners is we work on a on a revenue share lah, right? Less on a retainer, but more on a revenue share, right? Does that make sense? Yep. So it's more cost effective for them. So by having our own ecosystem, we're more cost effective, we're more efficient, and uh, by having our own ecosystem as well, we're also able to uh, to kind of help our clients. Our expertise is growing our client sales, lah, right? Hmm. Grow a brand by twenty times within a year. Which brand will say no, right? Yes. Yes. Right. Uh, so, very, very enticing. Yeah. Yeah. So we we have the right proposition for them. We have the right ecosystem to bring things together. And most importantly, I I actually spend a lot of time with startups. Just today, I actually had two pitching sessions with startups where startups pitched to me. The reason why I spend time with startups is not only to invest in them. Of course, I actively look at investing in startups. But it also keeps me young. Um, because and I also can learn new things. Ah, there's so many new things out there, right? That we have to learn on our own. It's it will it will take time. Yes. Keeping up to date, ah, uh, with with the new technologies, right? Hmm. That I'm able to provide. I'm able to sit between the technology companies and the brands, right? Hmm. Right. So the brands can rely on that. We will constantly innovate, and we innovate. Not just by reading, ah, uh, but because we are close to technology, right? We are within yes. the, we have our own ecosystem which helps, but we also within the larger technology ecosystem in Malaysia, and that's where, of course, my uh, position as chairman of Pcom, right, which helped build my network and credibility among mm-hmm. companies and startups, actually helped me as well, lah, right? Okay, great. I I like that. No, I like how you keep in touch with the latest cutting edge by. Listening to pictures from young startups, no, that's the latest stuff. And like you say, you know, you can't, you can't. Young as well. <laughs> yeah, young as well, right? Because you can't, you can't, you can't be reading all this up, no. It's no, no, not possible. So yes. to hear firsthand is fantastic, no. That's right. Okay, so uh, just just to pick your brain a bit as uh, head of uh, chairman of Picom. Yeah, I was the chairman. You, okay. Yeah. What what do you think? What do you think SME tech companies can do differently to stay ahead of the game? No, because now with with uh, all this internet and everything, the world I mean, it's a global playing field now. So how can SMEs collaborate more? No, to I think, combine to combine their resources, combine their know-how and and leverage on that. I think focus is very important in this industry. Hmm. You need to learn to focus on a few important things, right, and not do too many things. Hmm. Right. Um. So a lot of people say, "Wow, you've got ten businesses within the group." Yes, I do have ten businesses within the group, but actually, we are truly actually a uh, uh, I would say an investment holding company that invests in this business, but then we have a team that integrates them, lah. Right. Mm. We're very focused on that, right? The various mm. that we have invested in our subsidiaries or associates, they focus on their 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 vertical businesses. But then the value comes from combining all of this, right? Just like, mm. just like Apple, right? Yes. Apple sells the phone, but within the phone, they have music, they have, they have fitness, right? And apps and all that, all kinds of apps. And then now they create a bundle, right? Apple Plus. So you pay seventy bucks a month now, you get everything under one subscription, right? Yeah. That's what Asia Enterprises. I see. Okay. Very good. All right. Uh, before I let you go, uh, Ganesh. Any two or three tips for for business owners and entrepreneurs during going into two zero two two? So I think look, um, 
Culture is important, so focus on building the right innovation culture within your organization. Hmm. Start because today is a it is a youngster world, right? Yes. Consumers of tomorrow are youngsters, so we need to have youngsters in the organization. We need to have the youth in the organization so that we stay relevant, right? Yes. Yes. Building the right culture to to inculcate youth to attract youth is important. It's all about focus, of course. After building the right culture, we need to focus on the right niche and segment. Mm, mm. And then it's about growth, right? It's about how you grow the business from from then onwards. Mm, mm. Okay. Let me ask you about the culture. I, I totally agree with you. You know, culture is very very important for any growth company. Yeah. And and obviously you want to attract young people because you know things are moving so fast and you got to keep in touch with the young. Yeah. Uh, how how do you how do you attract talent to Commerce Asia? You know, because I guess you'll be competing with all the big boys, all the brands. So how do you attract talent to your organization, Ganesh? Sure. So that's always um, you need to build the right culture, lah. Right. Mm. The dream team will automatically attract dream players, lah. Right. Mm. Because today the young are not only motivated purely by salary. Of course, they look at option plans and whatnot. But more importantly, you must have a higher purpose, right? Doing mm. what you're doing today, not just to make money, lah, right? So yeah. of course, I, I did mention my higher purpose to help local brands survive and thrive in the new normal, of course, in a new world, right? Mm. And of course, so we must have a higher purpose. With a higher purpose today, you'll be able to attract better talent. I would say, right? Yeah. Purpose is purpose is important, lah, right? And purpose must come from the heart, lah, right? You must really, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of our, a lot of the tycoons out there always say they have purpose, but sometimes, you know, it may not come from yeah. the. <laughs> yeah, talk is cheap, right? You got to follow with action. That's right. Yeah. Then people can see your behavior and then see whether you really walk your talk, lah. Huh? That's right. Yes. Okay. All right. Great. Excellent. So uh, that's been that's been a great input from you, uh, Ganesh. Thanks, thanks for that. Thank you, thank you for the time. Yeah, yeah. So guys, uh, I hope you got a lot of nuggets there. This is a cutting edge technology guy we just spoke to, Ganesh. And if you if you like uh, the content, make sure you don't don't miss out on future events, future podcasts. So be sure to like, subscribe, and share. So thanks a lot. See you in the next episode.